Hello and welcome to The Right Side of History, a show dedicated to debunking myths about America's past and giving greater context to the events of today through the lens of history. My name is Jarrett Stepman, a columnist for The Daily Signal, and I'm joined by my co-host, Fred Lucas, who is the White House correspondent for The Daily Signal. Today we are joined by Cal Thomas, a widely syndicated columnist who will talk about his book, America's Expiration Date, The Fall of Empires and Superpowers, and the Future of the United States. We are very lucky this week to have a really big guest, Cal Thomas. He is the author of America's Expiration Date. He is also one of the most widely syndicated columnists in the entire United States. Uh, he has been a uh, well-known pundit uh, across many networks, uh, Fox News, NBC News, other places. And he has, um, for a long time, he was a USA Today columnist along with Bob Beckel and the Common Ground column. Welcome. Thank you. Appreciate it. So uh, this book really seems, uh, it's about history, but it really seems timely to what we're experiencing right now. Seems like in a lot of ways, America's just burning down if you turn on the TV. But what what could you, what do you think this book can teach us about what we're experiencing today in America? Well, there's a flow to history and, uh, you know, there are a lot of cliches and famous uh, statements out there. The only thing we learn from history is that we don't learn from history is among one of them. And uh, the book is based on an essay by the late British diplomat, Sir John Glubb, who found uh, after studying 3000 years of human history, that there was a pattern to the decline of nations. And among them, uh, the last stage he said before collapse is what he called decadence. And under decadence, he, uh, he outlined massive national debt we have 26 trillion and counting. Joe Biden wants to add to that with more government programs. A loss of a shared moral sense. There is no right or wrong every now and anymore. There's only a subjective truth. You have your truth, I have mine, and all ideas are equal, so you can't even debate anything more. Uh, a loss of a sense of God, uh, right and wrong. Uh, all, all of these things seem to be happening. Uncontrolled immigration without assimilation is another one. We have hyphenated Americans now. Nobody wants to become a full American. They all want to bring the baggage from the countries from which they left. And uh, with their political attitudes and perspectives here, which the left is happy to have because they think that's uh, more voters for them after they get them hooked on government programs. So, you know, Ronald Reagan used to say we're only one generation away from losing it all. Uh, a constitutional republic uh, is, is not the normal state of humanity. Otherwise, we'd see more of it around the world. Instead, we see uh, dictatorships, uh, denial of women, women's rights, religious fundamentalism imposed on uh, other people, and uh, all kinds of things. We are, we are an oasis in the midst of a vast desert. But my fear is, uh, as you mentioned, we're seeing on television now just anarchy in our streets and a loss of uh, any sense of law and order or uh, a higher power to whom we are ultimately accountable. Well, it is really interesting. You, you, your, your book was released earlier this year, just before really we had a, a major global pandemic breakout. Of course, now through this summer, we've had uh, protests over the, the, the killing of, of George Floyd by a police officer that have turned into, I mean, nothing short of riots. Many of American cities 
uh, have literally been in flames. I mean, I mean, I live in Washington, D.C. And, and many others, and we've seen a lot of destruction in the city, and this is really something that's repeated uh, the country over. Uh, for many, it seems like this, this came out of the blue. I mean, uh, America was uh, peaceful and prosperous. I mean, we, we had a strong economy, especially the last few years. Uh, but suddenly we have people marching in the streets saying essentially that America was built on bad things. It was built on racism, things like this. Can you explain kind of where this is coming from? I think a lot of people are blindsided by the sudden radicalism that we're seeing across this country that's turning to destruction. Well, the radicals have always been there, of course. Uh, we've had them f uh, ever since the beginning. I mean, the, some of the founders were regarded as radicals. It, 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 it's, not, uh, it's not radicalism. It's, it's living within the law and order and changing the system from within. It's a great system. Yes, it has its flaws, but the way you fix a system with flaws is to fix the flaws, not to bring down the whole system. Uh, a lot of these uh, things we're seeing now are, are excuses. If we had not had the pandemic, uh, Donald Trump would probably be in a 60% approval rate. Uh, we had, as he often points out incorrectly, uh, across all demographics, uh, some of the lowest unemployment in history, uh, African-American, Hispanic, women, uh, all of these things were going well. The economy was doing great, and it's coming back, though, though slowly. So I think that um, these unfortunate uh, incidents of, of white-on-black shootings uh, which, uh, you know, are not uh, reciprocated when it's uh, black on white or black on black, uh, are used as an excuse by the anarchists to uh, foment um, upheaval and uh, further division within our country. But the real problems in the African-American community uh, have nothing to do with what you're reading in the headlines and seeing on television. If you, if you put a stable family together, a loving husband and, and a father in the home who properly and lovingly disciplines his children, you're going to have a, a very strong African-American community that won't be the victims, and many of them are victims, by the way, not uh, perpetrators of violent crime, but you never hear that talked about. The problem isn't systemic racism. The problem is breakdown of the, of the uh, African-American families or families that never started. The problem is 14, 15, 16-year-old girls having babies out of wedlock. We know what the problems are, but the left doesn't want to talk about it. They want more government programs, more spending. If Washington could solve these problems, wouldn't they have been solved by now? We've been hearing some of the same lines for the last 50, 60 years. As Heritage has pointed out, Heritage Foundation, uh, trillions of dollars spent on anti-poverty programs, and yet we have just as many poor people. Uh, as uh, there were in the early in the mid 60s when some of this legislation initially began to be passed. So the real problems uh, in America are not economic and political, they're moral and spiritual and have to be addressed on that level to be effective. Even before we saw the shootings, we did have this sort of attack on common culture within America that's been there for really years in the making. Um, even more recently, I guess we've had the 1619 project that was kind of a revisionism of America's founding. If you could talk a little bit about what you wrote in the book about, I guess, the common culture and, and loss of a common culture, what role that played in the decline of past empires. Well, you're right. A lot of this uh, became evident in the 60s uh, with the Playboy philosophy where Hugh Hefner told men that they didn't have to wait to get married to have sex. Uh, they could have it whenever they wished with whomever they wished and uh, with however many they wished. 
And then Helen, Helen Gurley Brown, the uh, author, the editor of uh, Cosmo magazine, uh, told women the same thing. And out of this came uh, unplanned pregnancies, abortion, venereal diseases, and uh, and uh, a separation in our culture, and, a, and an anxiety, and and dislike, and and shacking up. I mean, you have you have so many people living together now. For fewer and fewer people, according to the Wall Street Journal, are getting married anymore. A lot of them because they've seen their parents and the horror of divorce and the legal expense and, and the, the anger. Uh, and, and so they just don't want to go through this and they live together. All of these things, I think, are, are contributors to the erosion uh, of a culture. And uh, government is not the way to get it back. Again, it's a, it's a moral and spiritual problem. And uh, I think we need to turn to God more than we do to Washington. But these are all symbols or symptoms of a, a deeper problem. Uh, Abraham Lincoln said that the main cause he believed of the Civil War was that we've forgotten God. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, when he came to America and gave two great speeches, one at Harvard, which the left hated, and another the Templeton Prize, both of which are reprinted in my book, by the way, uh, warned the West of what happens to a culture that becomes rac uh, radically secularized and that has lost its sense of purpose. We used to have a common purpose in America. Nobody can say what that purpose is anymore. Very few people can even define what it means to be an American. We're all hyphenated Americans now. One of the few things I ever agreed with Whoopi Goldberg was when she said a few years ago, I'm not an African American, I'm an American. Now that used to be uh, the, the attitude of uh, immigrants in the turn of the 20th century who came from all over the world, they wanted, especially their children, to be fully integrated and immersed in uh, the United States of America, not uh, to bring a lot of their uh, baggage with them from the countries they left. If they thought those countries were so great, they wouldn't have come here in the first place. So I think all these things contribute to, to an erosion of culture and uh, a, an erosion of uh, who we are. I think we've forgotten who we are. So. Obviously, one uh, you said of your inspirations for this book was uh, Sir, Sir John Glove, who, who calculated actually that the average age of empires and, and world superpowers was about 250 years, which of course you know, leads us in, in American history to the date July 4th, 2026, not, not so long from now. Of course, everything we're seeing right now, I think Americans are very much worried about the future of their country, not just of course, uh, the strength and, and prosperity of America, but whether the United States as it, it currently is, will even exist at that point, it, it's certainly in, in its current form. Uh, can you talk about ways that America can turn this, this, uh, this around? Of course, you know, nothing in history is, is inevitable, that there's no you know, eventual arc of history. Is there a way for Americans right now in 2020 uh, to, 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 to turn things around, to really start to, to change the direction of the civilization so that we potentially have another 250 years of greatness in the United States? Well, I think there are two ways, really. Number one, uh, which I think most people could identify with, is we got to rescue the next generation. You can't expect to put your children and grandchildren in the uh, secular progressive schools where they're taught that they evolved from slime and their nearest relative is down at the zoo, and that's why they like bananas on their cereal. Uh, they, they rewrite uh, the history of America. They teach that uh, America is not a unique nation and not a great nation. And then they send them off to universities where it's even worse. Now, we don't send our troops to uh, enemy countries like Iran, Russia, China to be trained there. Uh, we, we train our troops here. 
and yet we send our children and grandchildren into the enemy's camp, if you will, uh, to uh, be trained uh, in, in ideas and ideology that is counter to what the founders intended and what the Constitution says, and, uh, and undermines not only their intellectual uh, uh, foundation, but also their moral and spiritual growth, and expect them to come out of these places uh, with the same kind of uh, beliefs and ideology that we sent them into. It's the most crazy thing I've ever heard, and I've heard all kinds of excuses uh, on why conservative and Christian parents send their kids into these places, but none of them make any sense. So that's one thing. The other thing is, uh, as many have said before, uh, that we need a spiritual revival in this country. And for those who are Bible believers, uh, uh, this only comes uh, from God himself. It doesn't come from the politicians. It doesn't come from Washington. It doesn't come from think tanks uh, or anywhere else. The, the, if you look at the revival of 1857, it's a great example of uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of people were converted when it happened. And uh, they all started living different lives. And that had a cultural impact. This is... Uh, We've got it backwards, you know. We think by electing the right people or re-electing the right people, things are going to get better. Uh, in fact, it's bottom up; it's not top down. When the people, we the people, decide to live by different values and uh, different objectives, then we're going to see that reflected at the top. But as long as we continue to think that uh, the answer is in government and in politics, it's never going to work. Do you think we're almost on an inevitable path toward extinction? <laughs> I'm not a prophet or the son of one, and I'm not walking around like you saw that old cartoon with a sandwich board, the end is near with a guy with a long white beard. I'm just saying that uh, history is a great teacher. And while some of these empires and nation states, like Rome, of course, uh, lasted more than the 250 years that is the average that John Glubb uh, describes, uh, they all follow the same pattern, no matter how long they lasted, because human nature never changes. You can wear a suit or a toga. You can ride around on a horse and a cart or in an airplane and an automobile. You can change your hairstyles. You can put on makeup or not. But inside, human nature is the same throughout history and subject to the same temptations and, uh, and all of these other things I write about in the book. So uh, you have to address human nature. Now, when I, was, when I was growing up, I was taught three things by my parents. Uh, inspiration, followed by motivation, followed by perspiration, improves any life. But now we've flipped it, and it's envy, greed, and entitlement. We have income inequality. The notion that you make $2 and I make $1, that you owe me 50 cents to make it fair, is socialism. I interviewed a lot of uh, wealthy and successful people as a young reporter. I didn't envy them. I didn't envy their cars or their clothes or the amount of money they made. I asked them, where'd you go to school? Uh, what did you study? What's your, uh, what's your worldview? Uh, what's your philosophy of life? I want to be like you someday. But now the attitude is uh, we, have to, we have to bring down people who are successful and subsidize people who are not successful. And that kind of attitude uh, gets you more unsuccessful people and fewer successful ones. A great line, a great quote from Calvin Coolidge. He said, you don't build up the weak by tearing down the strong. I don't think I've ever heard it put any better than that. So what's next? I mean, what, what happens if, if America can't stave off this, this decline and collapse? You know, obviously the United States, certainly in the last 75 years, has been the preeminent world superpower. We've been a source of both you know, prosperity and I think you know, hope for a lot of mankind and civilization. What, what happens if the United States 
goes into this period of decline and perhaps other nations around the world, of course, many would point to uh, communist China become and sort of supplant the United States. What does this world look like uh, without the United States, the position that it's been for so long? Well, I think it would be a very different world. You look at all the good we have done in the world, the hospitals that have been built, the missionaries that have been sent. Uh, uh, you look at what happens uh, even before there was the United States, the tribal wars, some of which still exist. Um, I, I think that we could, and again, I'm not a prophet, but we could become like the United Kingdom. Uh, England was once uh, a great, great empire. I've got a chapter on them in, in my book. And, but now they're a shadow of their former selves. It used to be said of uh, Britain that uh, had an empire on which the sun never set. Now uh, it's, it's a, a tiny country with uh, Scotland now with a separation movement. They've lost all of these colonies. Uh, and uh, it's just a, a, a tiny shadow of its former self. I think the United States could, could become that. And uh, you mentioned China. Yes, the rise of China, that atheistic state, but is becoming a major economic power and a military power in the world. But if we don't have the resolve to stand up against this sort of thing, and I'm not for intervention. I think the president's done a really good job of pulling back and from some of these wars that uh, have been going on forever. that has cost us so much money and blood and, and uh, lives. Uh, but... Uh, you know, you can't, uh, you can't just unilaterally retreat from the world. You have to, you have to be strong and you, you have to have a credible deterrent. Otherwise, the totalitarians will take over. So I don't know what's going to happen in the next uh, 20 years or so, but I know if we continue on this path that I write about in the book, it's not going to end well. Cal, I guess maybe trying to take a more optimistic look would be that America's expansion and influence has largely I should back up. You, you mentioned Britain. Um, that's a, one of the more benevolent empires uh, you wrote about in here. But uh, but most empires were gained influence and expanded based on expanding and gaining territory. Uh, America's influence has largely been based on spreading values. Uh, and and, and even, even though we clearly have problems with uh, morality, problems with culture, problems with debt, most of the expansion historically has been based on expanding positive values of democracy and freedom. Could that make a difference? Could that uh, help extend our existence a little longer? Well, people have to decide for themselves whether they wish to embrace uh, democracy and freedom and freedom of the press and pluralism and religious tolerance and all of these other values that we've held dear for for so long. Um, we can't impose it on others. Uh, we've tried that. We've tried it in the uh, Vietnam, we've tried it in a number of other places, and it just doesn't work unless sufficient numbers of people want it. So we can, you know, Kennedy started the Peace Corps. That was a very good thing. Uh, we can tell others, we can model before others, we can share with others why our system of a constitutional republic and capitalism works best for the most number of people. But we can't impose it upon anybody any more than you can impose your values or faith on me. I have to choose those things after an examination of their validity. And so I think we can continue to export the ideas and values that we have traditionally embraced in this country, but it's up to others to decide that they want to live by those values, not us. Can you elaborate a little bit? You, you mentioned, I think, the importance of education, how a lot of 
young Americans have been, I think, miseducated, whether or not, you know, what their parents want or not, their, their local public school, and certainly in higher education, we've seen really, I think, an indoctrination of not just one generation, but multiple generations. Uh, can you give advice, especially to parents right now who are very concerned about what, what their uh, young people, what their children are learning in schools, what they can do right now to, to raise informed patriots in a time where the mass culture in this country seems very much against uh, the moral values that you talk about in bringing this country back. You give them advice as what they can do uh, in, in this world that has so many counterweights to the right path. Let me share a, a, one of my favorite quotes from Barbara Bush, the uh, former first lady, who said that uh, our success as a nation, your success as a family, depends less on what happens in the White House than what happens in your house. She also said that men and women, if you have children, they must come first. Children are not just a tax deduction. They are, they are people who, who need to be trained and um, inculcated with the values and faith and history of the United States that their parents believe in. But I wanna to return to that, what I said earlier. You can't expect them to have those things reinforced and embraced in their lives if you send them into an education system that so often teaches the opposite. It's like uh, oil and water. It, it, it's like uh, having a, a glass of milk and pouring water into the milk glass. It will dilute the milk. And if you pour the water long enough, it will replace the milk. So the analogy is, uh, if, you, if you pour the water of, uh, uh, of, of secularism and progressivism into your child, that is what is eventually going to take the place of the virtues and values that you believe in and that you taught them. So number one, the public school system is the last monopoly in this country. Every other monopoly has been broken up from the phone company to you, know, you name it. You have choices on everything, uh, for delivery of packages to uh, just about everything. The only thing you don't have choice on, uh, mainly, thankfully the Supreme Court now has, uh, has allowed school choice, is the choice of where your children should go to school. Various surveys on minority communities have found that if uh, minorities had the choice, they would send their kids to a better school, a better public school, better private school, a better religious school. They ought to have that choice. And for the secular progressives who are so adamant about choice when it comes to abortion, why are they so uh, against choice when it comes to education? It just doesn't make sense. Well, it does make sense from their perspective because it's the only way they can raise more secular progressives. So uh, people say, well, you know, I can't afford it. Well, you know, one of the side benefits, maybe the only side benefit to this pandemic is that so many people, so many young people are now uh, being educated virtually and at home. And more and more people are discovering homeschooling as a result. So, you, you know, you just can't dump them in daycare or expect somebody else to bring them up or you're going to get the 1619 project from the New York Times rewriting history. Uh, you're going to get, uh, you know, secular progressive uh, taught to your kids. Uh, we, we've got to rescue the next generation. And again, Reagan said we're only one generation away from losing it all. So if you want your kids to at least have the opportunity to turn out all right with the values that you have been teaching them and the faith that you've been uh, infusing in them and hopefully modeling before them, you got to work at it. You can't get in shape by watching an exercise video. You got to go to the gym and you you can't expect to have these uh, values uh, reinforced unless you actually do it yourself. 
We're talking again with uh, Cal Thomas, author of America's Expiration Date. I guess one more, uh, just kind of piggybacking on my previous question, uh, which I, I did refer to America's positive influence in the world, spreading capitalism, democracy, freedom. I guess uh, you know, based on what, what you've said, we have so much rejection even today from Americans about American values and what American stands for. I, is that something that is just an extensive problem on any kind of influence we can have on the rest of the world? Well, you'll notice that the people are reject, who are rejecting those values are people who are already here. Uh, the immigrants are not rejecting the values or they would uh, not want to come here. Uh, so I, I think that's it. You've got a whole generation now of spoiled people who have never had to invest anything in this country. Uh, these people in the streets have not, uh, have not served in the military. They've not given anything back to the United States to make it a better nation. If they think there are flaws in this country, let them work to, uh, to repair those flaws. Let them start with themselves. Let them start with a stable marriage and home. Let them start with uh, teaching their children right from wrong. You look at the testimony of somebody like Ben Carson or the uh, wonderful comments by uh, the Attorney General of Kentucky at the Republican National Convention. Or you look at Clarence Thomas or you look at Thomas Sowell or you look at uh, so many other, not just African-American, but other people who have come up through difficult circumstances, wrong side of the tracks, as we used to say, uh, single parent home, uh, parent uh, father who abandoned them when they were children, and yet they overcame. And we don't teach those kinds of things anymore. We don't talk about overcoming. We talk about victimhood. And as long as you uh, continue to perpetuate victimhood, you're gonna have more victims and you're not gonna have more overcomers. And so uh, while I always uh, think uh, you know, I'm optimistic in some ways about the future of America, uh, I'm pessimistic if we don't turn this around. And uh, we don't have a lot of time left in my view. Um, you know, there have been a number of people who have said over the years that uh, if America is to collapse, it's, it's not going to be because of an invading army, it's going to be because we've committed suicide. And uh, I think that's what the Chinese communists are hoping for, Putin is hoping for, and a lot of others in the world are hoping for because they're jealous of us and they don't want to embrace our values uh, and uh, our constitutional principles because that would be a threat to their power. Uh, dictatorships cannot stand uh, pluralism and tolerance. Uh, the very definition of dictatorship is the opposite. So I think we need to come to our senses in America and each generation has a chance to renew those things that uh, our parents and grandparents fought for in, in, in wars and endured through a Great Depression, uh, now it's our turn. And if we blow it, um, there may not be another chance. Absolutely, exactly. Well, again, the name of the book is America's Expiration Date, The Fall of Empires and Superpowers and the Future of the United States is an incredibly timely read, especially important right now with everything that is happening in this country. Uh, Cal Thomas, thank you so much for joining us on the Right Side of History. We very much appreciate it. My great pleasure, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of The Right Side of History. You can hear our show on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and we're also now on iHeartRadio. Thanks again. You've been listening to The Right Side of History, brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation, executive produced by Jarrett Stepman and Fred Lucas, sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. For more information, visit DailySignal.com.